What's up, SoundCloud <clears throat> and other audio listening people? Sorry to clear my throat right in your face, ear hole things. This is Baratune Day, and I have not uploaded audio here in quite a while, quite a minute, uh, as we say in the business. So I'm recording this as a test, um, as most of my recordings to SoundCloud have been over the past two years plus. And I've just uh, recently started co-hosting a live television program, two M's and an E, on the Pivot Network, owned by participant, makers of great documentary films. The show that I'm co-hosting is called Take Part Live. It's with Jacob McCain, Jacob Soberoff, and Megan McCain. Look at that. 11 a.m. Pacific time, and I'm still tired. So the show airs uh, Monday through Friday, 7 p.m. East Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern, and uh, we're live Monday through Thursday, Friday's the best of show. And so I wanted to experiment with sharing thoughts that I've had about the subjects we have covered in a more relaxed pace uh, with less crosstalk, actually zero crosstalk because it's just me. Uh, because in a three-person kind of roundtable show, we're moving through topics, we're interviewing people, we're cutting the commercial, and there's a lot that gets left on the floor. So my theory is that uh, these are things I would have said on the TV if we hadn't run out of time. I don't know if you made an acronym out of that, what that would spell, uh, but let's let's get to it. That was a 90 second intro and that's probably a bit long. Also, how y'all doing? It's been, it's been a while. I'd love some feedback on if this even makes sense. Uh, and if you're not seeing the show, that's the real test. Most people don't see most shows, so it's gotta work for non-viewers as well as viewers. Uh, we've been doing a lot of stories uh, about Ebola. I've been calling it Fear. Bola, because the, the fear is extreme, and these are comments about last week's show, by the way, y'all, I'm a little, I'm a few days late on this, but like I said, it's a test, so uh, little notes I had on that. I guess my real directive is for everybody, get all your Ebola news from this website called EbolaDeeply.org, that's the word Ebola, D-E-E-P-L-Y.org. Uh, disclosure, I'm friends with two of the three founders, uh, they are the same people who made Syria deeply.org and it's just got a wide range of coverage a very fact-based uh, distribution of that information they even show stories of salvation and positivity uh, they keep a running count of what's going on there's maps to show where places are actually experiencing things like outbreak as opposed to cases we've had a few cases in the u.s we do not have an outbreak of ebola in the u.s and uh yeah it's just been very um frustrating at times to hear the level of uh, freak out and concern about this, and I understand some of it, but I want us to recognize that, that more people die of pretty much everything else uh, than they have in the U.S. from Ebola. So check out EbolaDeeply.org. This is an unpaid ad for a really, really great website. Uh, we had a, a good discussion early last week about Latino voters and whether they should possibly uh, sit out the election because President Obama hasn't followed through on his very explicit immigration promises to bypass Congress and just do whatever he needs to do. Uh, the Republicans are not driving right now when it comes to immigration reform and other issues of significance to Latino voters. And I had joked on the air that uh, part of the problem was that the president got real specific with his promises. He said, by the end of the summer, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. And politics one-on-one, man, keep your promises vague. You know, you got you to gotta speak in generalities that people can't hold you to later on. You got to say, I support you. 
and don't define what the word support means. You got to say, I empathize. You got to say, I will address the issue, which could literally mean you just deliver an address on the issue. Uh, instead, he promised action by a certain date, and uh, then he didn't do it. So, poo on you. It, it also got me thinking, I just, I have a bit of Obama defense fatigue, uh, I guess I'd call it. This is what happens when you get tired of making excuses for disappointing outcomes related to President Obama. Maybe you campaigned for systemic change, but found yourself stymied by the slow machinery of government. You traded in hope for the filibuster rules and gangs of seven or eight or 10 or 13 who may or may not decide the fate of a nation. You used to believe in the power of an idea, but now you cite dysfunctional Congress as an excuse for lack of progress. If these symptoms sound familiar, then you may be suffering from Obama defense fatigue. And then you add a, a racial layer on top of that where you just have a nearly genetic ancestral call to defend the nation's first black president. But at the same time, you're just like, yo, seriously, more, more shit could be done. Uh, and at the end of the day, I try to remind myself that this guy signed up for the job, that in part he knew what he was asking for, and that we have been heinous to other presidents. And I, I whenever I think of o Obama disrespect exceptionalism, I just remember how they treated Bill Clinton. And, and maybe because he was also so not establishment when he started that he was born relatively poor in a home that was not whole. And, you know, he got accused of killing his best friend as the president uh, and the whole whitewater thing and going in on Hillary the way they did. Like there's a. Uh, uh, maybe it's not unique to the President Obama. Maybe it's it's unique to Democratic outsiders. Uh, Democratic as in left-leaning. So, yeah, had some thoughts about uh, Obama there. We also covered uh, some issues related to sexual abuse and violence against women. Uh, we had Lily J on, and she is a survivor of sexual assault who in college, and she was a part of a campaign uh, that the White House has launched called It's On Us, which is trying to make more collective the response to sexual violence on campus. I just say yes, yes, and more yes to this. I've been involved outside of this show through an organization called Breakthrough. That's Breakthrough.tv. And their call to have men stand up and uh, vow to call things out when they see them, intervene, uh, bear witness, be supportive, and, and at a minimum speak out. Uh, against violence against women causes move ahead when those not just directly affected by it actually weigh in uh, pick up the torch the sword the flame whatever implement of justice spreading that you might have in mind scythe let's call it the justice scythe so yeah we we touched on on many of those things uh i also uh, let's see i'm not going to go through all these this is getting pretty long we're at seven minutes already this could definitely be a little podcast thing so we, uh, we talked a lot about debt for veterans and programs to try to get uh, veterans who've returned from serving overseas uh, out of educational debt in particular. And that it gave me uh, some memories, some reminders. I mentioned it on air, but I wanted to go a little deeper. There's got to, I think the larger issue is like, how do we actually account for money that's spent, like government money that's spent and how that returns to our society, you know, and, and businesses have the same quandary, but we have a very short term cycle of assessing whether politicians are doing right by us. We vote for them every two to four years. Businesses are on this quarterly reporting cycle if you're a public company. But for something like a college education, 
And it doesn't have to be a crazy, super expensive, highfalutin one like I had. I don't think everybody needs to go to Harvard. That would be a terrible country, actually, if everybody went to Harvard. But how do we account for the people who come back to their communities and actively invest? And someone who served overseas has clearly done that in a very specific, very physical way. Uh, I was speaking with a friend of mine, uh, Elizabeth Stewart, who runs this space in downtown Los Angeles, where I now live. What? I live in Los Angeles. That's crazy. That's a whole separate podcast. Um, But that's what happens when you start doing a TV show based in L.A. You kind of have to move there. So at any rate, she runs Hub L.A., which is kind of a co-working space, kind of a community for social entrepreneurship and people trying to use business to scale good things in the world. And so we had this discussion many months ago at this point about how do you try to re- forgive the loans or reduce the interest rate or, or defer at a minimum the loans of people who are actively reinvesting in their community in a measurable way. They're creating jobs. They're reducing homelessness or crime or recidivism in terms of people you know, returning from prison. That definitely has positive effects on the local area, on the state, on the country. And I'm so sorry, I just smacked my microphone. And there's got to be a way to see the the investment in their education and the choices that, that have led them to make this community investment as something to balance, you know. Um, and so I don't know just how we trace the dollars on government programs, on college education loans, uh, and how we, the return on that just has a longer timeline than the people who make that decision. So if you vote for a loan forgiveness program for social workers or social enterprise businesses, you're not around, it might take five to 10 years. You might be out of office by then. And like, should we be retroactively thanking people in the late 90s who did things right and, and give them some kind of electoral bonus? I, I don't know, there's just something about timing and political accountability that I think is, is really broken on top of a whole bunch of other things uh, that are really, really broken. So, so that was a, on, a lot on Tuesday's show. The other major thing that happened on Tuesday is we had Senator John McCain on, and he and I got I spent a lot of one-on-one time uh, that wasn't planned, but we just kind of went went at it in a positive fashion with each other. And he talked about ISIS. You know, and this is a guy that uh, generally supports American military action. Not sure he's met a war he didn't want to support, and uh, I really wanted to ask him about that. His sort of blanket voting yes on on authorization of military force didn't get to it ran out of time thanks television uh, also thought of a real good comeback after the fact you know how you have an argument with somebody and then the next day you're like oh i wish i had said that and he talked about how isis was a threat because i was contending they're not a threat to us in the u.s they're great at propaganda they're scary they're evil they're bad they're all the bit all the negative things but they're not a threat domestically in the u.s and he's like they've beheaded two american citizens and I'm like, yeah, that's that's true. Retro- in hindsight, Saudi Arabia beheads people like every day. I don't know. It's just a form of punishment over there. Mexican drug cartels behead people constantly. You know, hundreds of people have been beheaded with their heads thrown in town squares. And uh, there's just something literally terrifying about beheading. But we should be able to check that terror in terms of how we respond to it. Because we're basically giving ISIS more fuel. Uh, I think, and I'm not a fan of them in any way, but I'm also not a fan of overreacting, overspending, over-constraining our own civil liberties in the face of threats that, practically speaking, are minimal. Uh, Senator McCain and I did agree on something. We agreed on the idea of following through. If you're going to commit to military intervention, that is never the whole solution, and we've got to stick it out. 
You know, we, we owe something. You can't drop bombs and then walk away. You've just made things even more volatile. So, yeah, more time with me. Senator McCain and me. That could be, oh, my God, that's a new podcast, Senator McCain and me. All right, so, hell, we're at 12 minutes now. Let me try to keep this to 15. We talked about a whole bunch of other good stuff, but the real thing I wanted to get to uh, was about Joni Ernst. Uh, she is a candidate in the upcoming midterm elections. By the time you hear this, she might uh, be in office or not. But she is a Republican, and she was a uh, tape was released of her talking about how she was a supporter of gun rights in America. She talked about her little nine millimeter that she believes in carrying with her to defend her family, you know, against aggressors, even against the government. And I just, I had three thoughts about this because I get really tired of this guns against the government argument that comes out. And this is something that Megan and I didn't have a chance to get into. So you should check out what she has to say on this. She loves guns and super Second Amendment person. Uh, my, my three levels of thought here. First, it's just curious to me how Republicans love to stoke anti-government violence with talk of shooting at the government all the while they're trying to join the government. It's like, do you have some perverse death wish? I, I feel like there should be a psychological evaluation. What type of person stokes violence against a body and then attempts to join that body? And yes, there is a right to bear arms. We could argue even about that, but let's say there is a right to bear arms. That is separate from encouraging talk of armed rebellion against the very government you're trying to be a part of. We're, we're U.S. rebel soldiers against the British also trying to join the House of Lords. Like It's just a very strange thing to use revolutionary violent language against a political body while seeking to join that political body. I think there's some strange psychology going on in the Republican Party around that. Secondly, and I did say this on air, but I want, I want to blow it out some, I sympathize. You know, I do not trust the U.S. government by sort of ancestral default. I don't think any person of color can if you see how the government legalized dehumanization, legalized treating people as property, legalized indentured servitude and disenfranchisement and child labor like we've got a lot of historical dirt and blood on our hands and under our nails from its founding this country's government made clear how it felt you know about unlanded non-white non-men so healthy skepticism is good right we have a right to protect ourselves against an unworthy government but and this is a big but your little nine millimeter ain't gonna do shit do you remember Ferguson? Did you see Occupy get busted up? The level of arms that the U.S. government has today, that U.S. police forces alone have today, make armed rebellion with a 9mm look absolutely foolish. You might as well be rolling around with a super soaker. How are you going to fare against an armored personnel carrier, against drones, against you know noise, uh, non-lethal weaponry of these like screeching noise machines? There's just no way you're actually going to win that battle. If the government wants to crush you, this government, this U.S. government, this most armed government in the history of the world will crush you case closed. So the best defense against an unworthy and potentially abusive government is to build trust into the government, is to engage and be a part of the government. That whole we the people thing, that by, of, and for the people thing to ensure that the government is actually representative of the people. When we can say that with honesty, which we cannot now, given the influence of money and corporate politics, etc. But when we can say that, then we can be on the right side of all those guns and maybe disarm 
a little bit. Let's talk about government disarmament potentially, but we're not going to at this rate ever physically contend with the US government and this idea that I got to keep my guns in case I need to use a rifle to take on the armed forces, to take on tanks. That's just dumb. That's just delusional and and it really really frustrates me. So, um yeah, we have Mario Lopez on the show. Uh, he was really great, and I would love to spend more time with him. Uh, and we talk about the World Series and what, what should losing teams do. And uh, I, I threw this out on air a little bit, but I, I do think, you know, we were talking about specifically how mayors make bets, right? And the losing team, that mayor has to eat some food from the other city, and should there be more meat to these bets? And, and that just got me thinking about how cities do or don't learn from each other. We have a lot of experiments running in this country around the world. And some cities nail it when it comes to police use of force and some are failing miserably and some have really cracked the code on how to deal with homelessness and some uh, have exacerbated the problem. Uh, some are good with balancing books and some don't even know what a number is. And so is there a way a better way to facilitate exchange of of good ideas among cities? Could we swap mayors? for the winners of these major sporting events could we have the department of sanitation for a city that's killing it run the department of sanitation for one that is absolutely failing um and then can we all get better in the process so this uh, that's it um i was reading through my evernote skimming and trying to figure out how to present some of these uh additional thoughts the addendum uh, if you will so this is my addendum to take part live for the week of october 20th. I'm Baratunde Thurston, one of the hosts. And yeah, for informational sake, those of you who know me from so many other hats, I'm still the author of How to Be Black. Can't take that away from me. I'm still co-founder and CEO of Cultivated Wit, which is heavily San Francisco-based now, and so the whole company is in California. And I still do public speaking, just a lot less, because I live in L.A. now, y'all. What? Uh, thanks, everybody. And uh, provide some feedback. You know, drop me an email. You are special at baratunde.com visit my website uh, visit takepart.com slash live to see the show and comment on this piece wherever you find it maybe this will be embedded somewhere Uh, you can synchronize this as you drive walk or bike actually don't listen to this while you're biking full attention but while you drive or walk or take public transit to work wherever you are while you're sweating in a gym uh, that's it I'll sign off visit ebolodeeply.org they did not bring this broadcast to you But I brought them to you because I love them and it's good info. Peace.